welcome to the Blinkist podcast. I'm Ben Schumann Stoller, and I'm talking into a microphone here in Berlin, Germany. If you're new to the Blinkist podcast, the idea is that we're trying to get deeper into the nonfiction world. We're getting into the heads of the inspiring, the genius people who actually write those books. We take big ideas and make them personal. We are winding down 2016 now, getting into the last months, and uh, we planned some really, really cool episodes for you guys. This one is an interview with famous less doing, more living author, Ari Mizell. He's a champion, really a champion of productivity and efficiency. Since beating the incurable Crohn's disease through optimizing his body, Mizell has had a successful career as an entrepreneur. Recently, he also started a virtual assistant company called Less Doing, and he wrote a book that just came out in the first week of October with his co-founder, Nick Sonnenberg. The book is called Idea to Execution. Um, the book's kind of main theme is about optimizing, automating, and outsourcing everything in your business. And in the interview, Ari and I talked about what I'm doing wrong when it comes to optimizing my work. We talk about Ari's new favorite tools. His books are always full of cool little tricks and tools out there that you can use to be more efficient. And what you cannot, under any circumstance, delegate or outsource to someone else. Um, before we get into it, I just want to say that if you like what you hear today, if you want to support the Blinkist podcast, just uh, head over to the iTunes store or wherever you're listening and just leave us a review. That'd be really nice. Thanks. All right, then. Let's roll the tape. I'll catch you guys in the outro. Thanks for coming out to the Blinkist podcast. Appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So the new book came out on October 5th, and it's called Idea to Execution. Um, maybe we can start off just you tell our listeners uh, what happened in this fateful dinner on, in August 2015 and, and how that turned into a, into a business. Sure. So basically, I, I've, I've been in the productivity space for seven years now. Uh, and in August of last year, so 2015, I forgot exactly what day it was, but it was a Monday and Zirtual, which is the largest or was the largest US-based virtual assistant company. And do you think I need to explain what virtual assistants are? Yeah, sure. Let's pretend. Let's pretend no one knows. Um, okay. So virtual assistants are basically assistants that are just not in the room with you. It's that simple. They're people who can do anything from travel planning to data entry, calling, research, whatever it might be. Uh, but they're not sitting in the office next to you. So they can be in India, they could be in the next uh, office building over or whatever, they, but they're just not, not there with you, they're remote. So Zirtual provided those kind of services. And there's two different models essentially in the virtual assistant world. There's the dedicated and the on-demand. So with on-demand, you basically have access to a pool of assistants that uh, in, in some cases that could be dozens or thousands and they'll do a quick task for you and you probably never interact with them again. And it's fine. And that's actually very helpful for a lot of things like making a dinner reservation or booking a flight maybe. Then you have the dedicated assistant model, which is much more traditional where you're dealing with one person all the time. And then, you know, Helen or John gets to know how you like your, your meeting scheduled and where you like to have coffee and all that kind of stuff. And there's continuity there. And there's pros and cons to both. The, the main con with a dedicated assistant is that you're limited to one person, which is naturally a bottleneck. So it's a bottleneck not only in that person's time, but also their skill set. So anyways, Virtual is a dedicated virtual assistant company. So on a Monday morning in August, they sent an email out to their 2,500 clients and their 400 assistants, basically saying we've had financial difficulties. Right. And 
good luck. <laughs> uh, so they essentially like shut down without any notice, any emails. And if anything constitutes like breaking news in my world of productivity, that was it. Mm -hmm. uh, my phone, my email, everything like exploded with people asking what they should do. I was getting emails, uh, I was getting messages from clients who were being left out to dry and also from VAs who were looking for work. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think much of it and I was just responding to everybody and basically says, I was saying, you know, uh, here's this person as an assistant and oh, you can go to this service if you need to and so on and so forth. But it, it was it was just like a messy couple of days. So then just by chance, so this was a Monday, so then the next night I have dinner with my friend Nick Sonnenberg who I've, I've known for I guess four years now and he's also in the productivity space. He was in financial engineering before that and then he started a scheduling app. It was, it was his own startup. And we had just planned this dinner two weeks earlier. So we're at dinner, we're talking about virtual, and he says, you know, why don't you just start your own virtual assistant company? And I was like very reactionary and said, no, I, I, I have no interest in starting another company and like running that and putting it all the other and blah, blah, blah. And his response was, well, what if, what if we did it together? And I responded with, okay. <laughs> uh, and, and that was all it took. Uh, so 24 hours later, we had built the company and launched and we were profitable and scalable from day one so not only was it an interesting sort of uh, jump on a market opportunity but it was a, it was a different way of getting a business off the ground and running it and we've been very iterative and very lean and scrappy from the start we never put a cent into the company we've never had to raise any money and at this point now we're basically almost at our full first year of business and we've got 300 clients and 60 VAs and specialists in 13 time zones. And we can do anything, basically. So we're a sort of a hybrid model. You don't get one person. You don't get 1,000 people. You basically get access to our entire team of roughly 60 people. And at this point, we have just about every skill set that we need. And if we don't, we know where to go to get it. So we are a one-stop shop to outsource anything from dinner reservation and travel planning like i said before but we also produce 20 podcasts for different clients we can build entire sales funnels with the graphic design the facebook ads the analytics the copywriting everything so you basically can give us everything you need done and we can do it we haven't had to say no to a project yet that's crazy so in the book so people know um kind of chronicles the beginning from this dinner for about a year on month by month you said it was very iterative and it it's cool because it sounds like you wrote each chapter when you were in the moment and um are sort of thinking about we tried this maybe we should try this next month okay this is the month when we had to deal with um recruiting challenges this is the month when we had to deal with accounting models challenges so you, so we can kind of follow along in the first year i thought that was really cool yeah, well, and and we knew from the beginning that we wanted to write a book about it. So we were very uh, conscientious about keeping voice recordings for the most part of things that were happening and that we found interesting and that we were you know coming up with and trying. Everything was everything was very experimental. And as you, you know, as you can see from reading the book, like there were some things that didn't work, but we were able to shift from those very quickly. Yeah, and it's cool that you that you speak about them in the book also. So is this what you're spending all of your time on these days, or are you still doing the um, workshops and and things that you had before the before less doing? So this is by far like my focus uh, at this point. We are still 
doing workshops. So we, we, we evolve now. So less doing has always been very like people focused in terms of helping individuals be more productive, but we've been able to expand into a lot more business stuff now. So we can, we do a lot of business consulting. We'll do workshops with businesses to overhaul the way they communicate and project manage and automate systems uh, and use data to further their businesses. So uh, we're, st- the, the VA stuff is like 90% of the time, but we are still, we're doing business consulting and I'm still speaking around the world. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the book, you said there are two major learnings. Uh, one is don't invest in scalability prematurely. And the second one is if you can't measure it, don't change it. So I wanted to ask you what the hardest thing is to measure based on your experience with this with this company. So that's a, that's a good one. Uh, there's actually a couple of things. So the most important metric for us by far is 30-day customer churn. Who were clients 30 days ago and are no longer clients? So essentially, it's people who you know leave the service and stop working with us or whatever. But it's a 30-day churn specifically that we're looking at that is, that's very valuable for us. There's a, there's some psychology in there and some data that backs up why that's why that number is is important. But effectively, like we want churn to be under 10%. So 30 days from now, we want to be sure that you know at least 90% of the clients that we have right now are still clients. Then mm-hmm. now we've had months where churn was up to 18%. Hmm. Uh, and that was, we were obviously doing something very bad. And it's, it, at that point, it's like, are we delivering poorly on quality? Is our pricing wrong? Uh, what, you know, what, what did, it, there's so many different factors that can go into it. So that's, that's like the, the most important metric. And then the things that are harder to measure that, that contribute to that, but we have a pretty good sense of it at this point, are all the things that go into training, for example. Yeah. So, you know, hiring and getting human capital is like the most important thing that we do in this business. And we have a really cool hiring process at this point, I think. And we get a lot of data out of it. We do some personality profiling. We do several things. But there's no clear correlation yet. There's not a hardcore definition where we can say, this person scored 97 on, a, on competitiveness, you know, and uh, 45 on stability. And that, you know, is 90% likely to be a really good VA that's going to work with us for a long time. Like, that's something that's very hard to tell somebody uh, coming in with whatever skills that they might have, going through our training, working in our environment that we work in, which is remote, but we have a really good team culture. That's that's one of the hardest things to measure. It's like the, it's like, what's the hardest thing to measure? The entire <laughs> idea of what a human how a human brain works and why people respond to it. It's like the entire field of psychology, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, that's that is part of it. And, and again, we measure some of it. You know, there's definitely there's and there's data that comes out of it, but right, it's it, it's a challenge. Um, I didn't warn you about this before we started the podcast, but we're gonna take a quick break to hear what people around Blinkist are up to. My name is Therese. Um, I work with the brand marketing team at Blinkist, and I'm currently reading Nice Girls Still Don't Get the Corner Office, which is about um, mistakes that women make in the workplace that keep them from um, growing in their careers they want to. And even though I'm not much of a careerist, I find the tips for avoiding those mistakes to be very helpful. Hey, I'm Anna, I'm the people manager here at Blinkist, and I'm currently reading Das Geheime Leben der Bäume, which means The Secret Life of Trees by Peter Wohlleben. And this book explains a lot of amazing facts about the life of trees. So before you go to the woods next time, make sure to read this book, it will be worth it. 
Uh, welcome back. I'm joined by Ari Mizell, and we just talked a little bit about the book and some of the challenges of the new company. And now I really want to get into some of the productivity efficiency stuff that, I mean, I first got to know you via uh, Less Doing, More Living, the first book. And there's a bunch of stuff I've been wanting to ask you about this. So like to start out, you, you hinted at this recruitment process. That was a cool automation process, how you almost don't touch anything in the recruitment process until you have to give the interview. In a video I found, there was also, you you talked about the automated process you have for the podcast, which was also pretty cool. And uh, so I wanted to ask you, wh- which automation process are you like most proud of that you've ever built up? So I, I the the hiring one, I had to say, well, okay, the podcast one is is definitely up there. But the hiring one, I think, is actually the one I'm like the most excited about because that's something that I'm I'm continually tinkering with. So can we break it down? Let's break it down. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we we do a lot of stuff on Trello, which is for project management for people who don't know. Do you, are you do you know? Are you familiar with Trello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're in a sauna company, but yeah, we dig. Okay, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I have I have I have pros and cons to both, but that's fine. So. Uh, I have moved our entire hiring platform over to Trello. So I was you. There's so many companies out there now that have like hiring and onboarding platforms, like uh, Onboard IQ and Recruitee, and uh, we were using Workforce from Intuit. And essentially, all they are is like assembly lines. Basically, they're just moving people through phases. So I built it myself in Trello, and it's a Trello board along with three Wufu forms and eight. Zap your zaps, three of which are multi zaps. You know, so like this whole it, thing sounds it, like a Doctor Seuss. The whole thing sounds like a Doctor Seuss book somehow. It's ex- amazing, absolutely. And it's actually <laughs> funny. So I read, I read all the places you go every night to my kids. Yeah. So uh, that's I, I actually think about that quite a bit. Um, <laughs> and you know, sometimes you'll you'll be in a lurch and unslumping yourself is not right. easily done. So uh, <laughs> basically, somebody applies on a Wufu form. Wufu is just like for people again who don't know, it's like type form or. Gravity Forms. It's just a, a website that helps you make forms. I just like Wufu particularly because there's a lot of flexibility in terms of what you can put into it and also it automates really like you can plug into it with automations really well. So they fill out their application uh, part of which includes them doing a YouTube video of themselves and the resume and then they have to answer like a test uh, task question. So yeah. Wait, can I stop you there? I, I'm also curious about what the best application YouTube video that a prospective applicant sent in. Is there one that, that comes to mind right away? So it's, yeah, so it's funny. Uh, when somebody does like a, a production in their YouTube video, you know, uh-huh. they have like like words coming in and they have, you know, graphics and stuff. Those people never make it. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Ever. So, uh, in fact, one of our worst, like not fires, but usually when it doesn't work out, the people that work with us have a have the decency to like finish off their tasks that they currently have and like sort of offboard properly. Mm-hmm. The 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 best video I ever saw was from this this particular VA and the only person that ever worked for us who decided she she didn't want to work with us anymore and she just was like I'm done and then didn't respond yeah. to anything and like left it all hanging. So so I actually use that as an indicator now. Um, plus a lot of times the people who do those kind of videos they're actually generic videos that they've used for other things which you know because they're not necessarily going to put that effort in for everything right so anyway uh the best video though uh i i mean they're only three minute videos and it's people describing themselves so i wouldn't be able i have one in mind but i wouldn't i I can't really describe it to you without sort of telling you who the person is so okay uh, okay but it was very personal it was very it was very human or was it kind of yes yeah, okay. so that's the thing is we we purposely don't give people any direction. We just say get, do a, do a, a quick YouTube video telling us about yourself. So if they're less than a minute, 
that's almost an automatic no. And if they're more than uh, five minutes, that's usually an automatic no. So like a three minute video is about the sweet spot. And it's interesting how often people hit that. And if somebody's reading off the screen, which we've seen that a few times, that's a no, no too. So it's really helpful. It's a really good thing. So, so they fill out the woohoo form. It creates a new entry, a card in the Trello board as a new applicant, but it also posts just their name and their video into our Slack, our manager Slack channel. Okay. So right away, the managers can just see the video and be like thumbs up, thumbs down and decide if we're going to even go to an interview stage. Then if I want to give them an interview, all I do is I drag the card over to the next list, which is interview offered. And that, in- that activates a Zapier zap, which sends them an email saying, you know, th- congratulations, like we'd like to do an interview, click this calendar link to schedule an interview. Right. They do a ten-minute interview with us uh, with some very uh, some questions that I'm 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 very like fond of asking in interviews, and okay. uh, I, I try to like focus on people's weaknesses as much as possible and how they handle that kind of situation because everybody can talk about how great they are. Right. So then, if the interview is good, then I drag it over to the next list, and they get to uh, an email that has them take a personality profile and a basic skills test from a company we use called Hire Select, which has been a real game changer for us. So uh, the skills test is pretty obvious. Like they have, it's like verbal spatial reasoning. It's basically just, you know, can you, can you read and write basically? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. the personality profile is a fascinating one for us because they have a profile of what they think, like the company does of what they think a customer service related person should have. And that's a lot of what we sort of do. It's, it's the best thing to map to somebody that works for us is like customer service. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's in terms of competitiveness and stability and uh, teamwork and all that stuff. And so we get a good profile there. If that looks good, then they go to a background check. We use a company called OnFido, which does the background check for them. And all this is, again, activated through Trello. Mm-hmm. And then if that works, then they get dragged over to documents uh, signing. So they, they get to sign our onboarding documents, which is all done through rightsignature.com. So they fill out their uh, NDA and their contract agreement, their W-9 and all that stuff. That gets submitted. Then they move on to onboarding and they get uh, what I'm constantly refining as a, a really cool onboarding training video and setup because we have to put them on all of our systems on Slack, on Trello, on 1Password, on Toggle. Right. And then our own custom dashboard. And basically, every time new hires come in, I ask them, you know, what what are some questions that you still have after going through the, the training? And then once they tell me that, then I just make a screencast and add that to the training. And I'm really trying to like, nice. ch- yeah, I'm trying to chip away to the point where we're pretty close now where somebody can basically come through the automated aspect of the training and be ready to like start working right away. Then they go into a training channel in Slack and that's where all the new recruits are and, and our managers. And that's where they can uh, ask about tasks and ask questions. And they have to get all of their comments approved to clients uh, and to, you know, before they can actually post them. And then it basically it's sink or swim. So either you, you get out of the training channel into our main team channel uh, or you stay there for a while or you get uh, fired. And usually when people get fired, it happens within the first week. So... We're, we're swift with that. There's no point in wasting anybody's so, time. And so in this whole recruiting process, you would touch the prospective applicant in a 10-minute interview, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and I, I usually don't do the interviews. I or mean, one, or somebody, somebody from a manager would first be involved only at the 10-minute interview and then later in maybe the training group in Slack. Yes, exactly. That's and there's like eight steps in between. Yes, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, everything from document signing, background check, like p- testing, everything—it's all automated. 
So one of the best thing about your books that everybody should know is the lists of tools that you use and just cool stuff. Like I didn't know about um, Pinoco and Shapeways, for example, in the first book. Um, oh, yeah. I just get itchy to try try some of this stuff out. Um, of course, you just named like seven Dr. Seuss word tools. Um, what's your What's your tool of choice right now? Um, so the tool that we use a lot with our, with, I mean, we use several, but one of the most important right now is a tool called, it's an app called Roger. Oh, the walkie-talkie. The walkie-talkie app, yeah. So it's it's we, we do everything asynchronously for the most part, uh, which like I so I have I only work between nine and three every day because I I drop off the kids at school and pick them up from school. So because of that compressed, somewhat compressed window, it's not that compressed anymore because I love what I do. Uh, it's it's so much easier to be able to do things asynchronously. And we have people in thirteen time zones, so that's really helpful as well. But uh, Roger just came out with a brand new app called Fika which is F-I-K-A, which is the video version of Roger specifically for teams using Slack. So basically, I can do a video message that goes into Slack. It's an animated GIF right away so they can see what, what it is. It transcribes it immediately, really accurately. And so I can make videos for the team, like whether it's training or announcements. And then the other one is Intercom. So Intercom is like a shared inbox. A lot of people use it for customer service. Uh, we do that as well. But it's also the chat box that's on our website. So because again, we're in 13 time zones. If somebody asks a question on the website, like, do you guys do this service? You know, someone will usually pick it up in a couple minutes. And then, uh, and it's just, it's been a huge, huge game changer for us too. Cool. Um, one thing that uh, I've always wanted to ask you also is if you've ever felt like you missed out on something by delegating everything. For example, like I was thinking about IKEA furniture, which I I hate building up IKEA furniture. My girlfriend loves building up IKEA furniture. And I was thinking like, okay, I don't like doing it. I'd rather she does it. But because I never really build up the IKEA stuff if we buy it, I don't know how to like quick fix it. You know, like she's more familiar with the pieces inside and so she can like quick fix it. And I was thinking that's kind of an interesting metaphor for like delegating everything. And I just wonder if there's some things you just under no circumstance will you delegate it or automate it because you want to you want your hands over it. Um, or if you feel like you've ever missed out on something by by delegating it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so. No, the answer is no. <laughs> okay, I don't think I have. <laughs> uh, if anything, I think that's like the whole you know intrinsic point of outsourcing is to be able to, to not miss out on things. Um, right. I mean, you know, when it, like let's see. I don't outsource stuff with the kids. I guess that's one thing. Like we we have. Uh, I mean, at this point, we have we have four kids, so we have a uh, a, a manny that helps us quite a bit. He's also a VA. For the company, okay. which is really cool, so awesome. we've got him, we've got him locked down, which is great. <laughs> um, and but I mean, I, like my my eight month old daughter woke up at four twenty this morning, and I was obviously the one that woke up with her. So right. that's I, right. and I got three hours with her before I went out this morning. So uh, no, usually pretty much anything with the kids doesn't get outsourced. Also, uh, food for the most part, like we we. We eat 99% of the time every meal at home, and my wife cooks 98% of the time, and I cook the other 2%, but uh-huh. it's definitely something we could have outsourced, and a lot of people do, whether they get meal delivery or uh, some other some other way, and we don't do that. That's something we just we do like doing and as a family, but uh, there's nothing that's like automatically off limits, that's for sure. 
there's nothing that you've that you've just kind of like I have some kind of boring repeatable tasks that I could delegate but I like them you don't have anything like that like some spreadsheet you have to update that's kind of like oh, I could get a robot to do this but like I it's so satisfying to see the invoices so nicely set up or anything Oh God, we should talk. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, no, nothing that takes like an hour. I mean, something that that's just really brief. But what do you enjoy about it? Um, I like when it's done, and usually it's something where it's like a mental rest. Usually it's something repeatable and mindless enough where if I'm putting in a little bit of data for 15 minutes, for example, I'm like looking at the data with my mind completely switched off, and then when I'm done with that, I'm I've somehow like recovered from the tasks that preceded it. Do you know what I mean? Like the stress and the energy that it required from the task that preceded it. I did like kind of a boring task, but now it's done. And it was a mindless task that rested me. And um, and then I'm ready to go. And if I had delegated that task out, I would have gone straight from ener- energy hard task to energy hard task. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. But the thing is, is it, it's, a, it's like a muscle that you have to act, that you have to use. Anything you do more than twice, there should be a process for. And if there's a process, it can almost definitely be automated. Like, that's the thing is, you're not aware of what you could possibly be taking advantage of by not having that be part of what you do, or even by going through the process of automating it so you don't have to do it. So I should be more cutthroat. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Be protective of your time. It's the only thing that we have that we can't get more of. Well, the truth is, I'm also going to have a kid this winter and then, or in like a month or something. And I will, I have like a list of things that I have to just hand off. I mean, for obvious reasons. And I'm really looking forward to that. And that's going to be my, that's going to be my cutthroat test. I mean, as I said, I have four, so it forces you. For sure. All right, man, look, this was, this was good. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but um, congrats with the book. It's really cool. I hope, I hope everyone out there can check it out. And um, let's do this again next year with the next book. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. All right, take it easy. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Blinkist Podcast. This episode was produced by me, Ben Schumann-Stoller, and Odie Constantino, who is just about to launch his own line of felt hats for men. If you have any feedback or suggestions, feel free to email me. I'm at uh, podcast at Blinkist.com, and let me know. We'll be back in a few weeks with an interview I'm so, so, so excited to share. I get to talk to behavioral economist Dan Ariely, and you're going to want to hear that. In the meantime, be good. This is Ben, checking out. Mm